we've been talking about this 2020 vision for the rest of your life. And our, our church mission statement, and we, we say this a lot of different ways, every way we can. But we're simply here to see every generation experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ in every area of their life. Every area of their life. Yes, we all want to get saved, but there are things in my life that need to be healed. I don't know if that slide is up there. But there are areas in my life that need to be healed. When you get saved, you're saved. But there's a lot of stuff in our life that needs to be healed. And, and I've really challenged and prayed for you guys because this last week when we asked, what is it that God wants to heal in your life? And it's sort of, uh, maybe you've experienced this. When you get asked that question, everybody starts, stops looking at you. They're just like looking away because they think they know what that area is, but it's certainly not an area they want to really talk about. But we talked about healing last week and how that all of us have areas in our lives. Does it happen overnight? Sometimes, but rarely. It's a work of grace, right? But I, I've often also found out that, that the next area, and sometimes these happen in this order and sometimes not necessarily, but I just want you to see that we can see transformation taking place because when people start getting healed, they start getting set free. And when people are set free, now you're walking down a line of discipleship. You know, we, we go from getting saved right to discipleship, and we don't even know what discipleship is. I think I said this a few weeks ago, but my, my personal conviction is that we've been having church, not just Grace River, but, but I'll just speak for, I'll speak for myself. It's, it's easier to get people to attend something than it is to get people to follow something. It's easier to get people to attend than it is to try to make disciples. Now, I say that because it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can make disciples. That was God's Jesus' last words to the disciples, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. So why are you saying it's the hardest thing, Pastor? Because if you're not walking it out and holding people accountable and loving them enough to get down where they are and walk things out with them, it's just easier to have them attend something. But here's what I found out. When we attend, but nobody's really following Jesus, that, that can be a, a light to the world that's not very, that's not very bright. And, and I've, I've really committed myself to make disciples, not attenders. That's why if everybody's not here on a Sunday morning, that's not, that's not breaking my heart. We're not counting numbers like that and, and living by that. We measure things, obviously. I, I want to count the way you have to count by people following Jesus. How many people are serving? That's on the list because we're here to be equipped. We're here to be empowered. We're here to serve. Serve even if it's helping pack a bag lunch. How many of that's important? If you're a homeless person and you're hungry, somebody packing that bag lunch is important. So it's just, it's, it may sound simplistic, but that's the transformation I want us to see. People being saved, people being healed, people being set free, people being equipped, people being discipled, and just walking that out. Now, that may not sound very exciting to you, but I, I want to talk about what it means to be set free today. What it means to be set free. Last week, if you had any idea of some things in your life that needed to be healed, and, and we're not going to bring those up specifically today, but let, just, just raise your hand. How many of you know what it is to need something to be healed in your life? Right? I mean, you, whether it's a physical healing, 
an emotional healing, something that's happened to you. And see, even when I talk like that, there's this tension that begins to rise in the room. Because we're either going to talk about something that you've been praying for and God has it answered in a specific way, or, like a lot of people, oh, he's going to get in my business now. And that's just private. That's why I don't go to a counselor. They just remind me of how crazy I am. That's why you need to be killed. You need to be healed because you're not really as crazy as you think you are. You're not as crazy as people think you are. You just need to be open to what God is doing in your life. Am I making sense? So now now what does being set free mean? John chapter 8, and if you have your Bibles or your, your devices that you look at the Word of God on, I want to read from this. John chapter 8. Now Jesus has been talking to many of the Jews and his disciples. He's been talking now, most of this chapter, identifying himself as the Messiah, identifying himself as the Son of God. By the time he gets to verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed, If you abide in my word, (laughs) a very important statement, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, there's a lot that that he unpacks there, and and I'm going to try my best to stay focused this morning. But just let me talk about that one phrase there. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, Now, let's just talk about that for a moment, because when you abide in something, that means you stay there. If you abide in something, you don't visit it occasionally. You journey there. Uh, the exact meaning of that word is to dwell. He said, if you dwell in my word, if you live in my word. You know, I could get real for 30 more seconds and pray, and this would have been a great service. Here's the bottom line. If you don't live in the world, I mean, if you don't live in the Word, should you really be surprised why your life is so messed up? If you don't believe that God's Word is truth, and that's really the first big step we're going to have to take as a church moving into a new cycle, a new season of ministry to the world and to those around us is, is getting very apologetic, and I don't mean apologizing for, but being able to explain and teach and understand the Word of God to a world who doesn't think. How many saw the news in Seattle just this last week? They were stacking up Bibles and burning them. Burning Bibles. In Florida, they took a statue of Jesus and beheaded it. This is America I'm talking about. Now, I'm I'm telling you, Because in our minds, and I'll get to this in a moment, in a little bit more depth, but in our minds, we're fine. 
we're okay because it's not happening here. Listen, they're burning. Did I just mention that they're burning Bibles in Seattle? Okay, now we already know a lot of crazy things are going around in our culture. But if you don't believe this, they'll never believe it. If, if we don't really truly believe the Word of God and abide in the Word of God, because Jesus says himself, if you abide in my Word, my teachings, we know at that moment the, the Bible had not been written. But what Jesus was saying is, in my teachings, in what I'm giving you, in what the Holy Spirit will continue to lead you in, if you abide and if you live there, you will be my disciples. You'll be my followers. It will impact how you live. It will impact how you think. Paul talks uh, in great detail about this. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable. It's the least thing you could do. Give him everything, and let your mind be transformed. Let your thinking be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Here's the blueprint. Now, I don't want to oversimplify this, but here's the blueprint. Have we made it difficult? Yes. Because if we get legalistic, then we just follow rules. And if we're not careful, we just look at this as, well, I, I read one scripture and I found three that I liked. But there's parts of it I don't like. No, it's the whole word of God. That's why we have to spend time with each other. That's why we have to spend time in study. That's why we have to spend time in prayer. That's why we have to spend time in, in our grace groups and our small groups, which, uh, by the way, kick off again in, in September. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Why? Without insulting anyone, we all need a support group. I promise you. Every, every person in here needs to be in a group. Okay? And, and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings when I say this. How many know that I'm really not being honest when I say that? <laughs> I, I, I would never want to offend intentionally anyone. But listen, if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't, I don't have any problems. Yeah. What she said. <laughs> right? That or you're in denial. You're, you're just living a lie. Well, pastor, what do you mean I belong in a group? You belong in a group. You belong in a group that's studying the Word of God. You belong in a group that's, that's working through issues. You belong in a group, well, I don't want anybody to know my issues. Um, you don't live in isolation. Your issues show up. Your stuff shows up. That's why I said last week, we got more stuff that needs to be healed than we want to admit. And... and we find here that he says, I want you to abide in this word that we must get into. So we must be in the word of God. We must be his disciples. He says, I want you to know the truth, and the truth will make you free. A lot of times that verse gets translated like this in a quick pastoral message, or, or, or we're just, when we talk about freedom to somebody, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not what it says. It will make you. It, why? Because there's a process. You read something, and, and it's not that suddenly you get set free. You are made free. 
he began a good work in you. He's completing that work. Well, pastor, aren't, aren't we set free from bondage? Yes, there are places where that's read like that. And yes, you are set free from sin. You're no longer slaves to sin. But when you get saved, remember last week we talked about the three aspects of our, of our humanity, body, soul, and spirit. When you get saved, your spirit man is in a relationship with God. Your body is still dying. I'm sorry. You know, God raised Lazarus from the dead, and we celebrate that. But you know, Lazarus still had to die again. They left that one out. But they were all excited when Lazarus came out of that tomb. But even I have thought in the past, Lazarus had to be thinking, I got to do this again. You know, the, the body, this flesh is dying, but our, our, our mind, our soul, the will, our desires, God is still working on those all the time. There, there's a constant making taking place. That's why we have to constantly live here. Now, I'm standing here as your pastor, and I'm going to confess something. I still have to work on this every day. Every day. As a matter of fact, there's more times than I want to admit that something will happen or I'll say something or I'll, I'll catch an attitude. You know, I'm just talking about myself because I know no one here ever catches an attitude. But I'll catch an attitude, something will rub me the wrong way, and I'll have to wrestle through that. But then it'll, it'll suddenly hit me, wow, if I would have started here, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. If I would have just started here this morning, I could have avoided that. Now, I'm simply saying, and I'll get to the points in just a minute. I'm just simply saying, it's important that we understand he will lead us into all truth, but he is making us free. The sun sets us free, but his truth makes us free. Amen? So the, the word, and that word free, it just simply means in Scripture, uh, we're unrestrained. In other words, sin no longer holds us back. Temptations no longer hold us back. Sin and the things that drag us down, they no longer hold us back. Now, if you're, if you're sitting there going, wait a minute, I don't know who he's talking about. It doesn't say that you never stop being tempted. It's that making process it's the thing that you used to get caught up in a lot. You notice little by little you don't get caught up in as much. And that, that one day you turn around and you're not even caught up in it at all. And, and you find yourself having matured. Paul tells us in Colossians and Ephesians that we're coming to a, a maturation. We're bringing mature, bringing believers mature to Jesus Christ. So little by little, you notice things in your walk, you notice things in your life that are beginning to change. Wouldn't we, wouldn't we be a little bit concerned if we met someone and they were 9, 10 years old and acting like a 9 and 10-year-old would act, and, but then they're 25, several years later they're 25, and they're still in here running around in the church? Hello? Yeah, I could get real mean right now. But the, but the reality is, there's, there are things in our life that when we first get saved, yes, there are things that we struggle with. There are things that we don't even know we struggle with that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention. 
there are things that we don't even think are wrong, that we finally get into a Bible study, and we start studying the Word, and somebody says, wait a minute, I, what do you mean that's wrong? What, everybody needs to lie a little bit. Everybody needs to steal. It's not really stealing. It's opportunity getting. It's just taking an opportunity to get a little bit. You know, and I don't want to go down a long list because the Holy Spirit knows exactly where you are. But it's, it's we begin to understand that some things are right and some things are wrong. And, and we also begin to see in our own lives that, that we all wrestle with different things a little differently. Now, why am I talking about this right now? Because I'm really not talking about the, the occasional sin, that, that thought or that thing that you do occasionally, because we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I'm talking about is that sin that you still hold on to, that you think you're controlling it, but it's really controlling you. You think you've got it under control, but it has you under control. Now, now why is this an issue? Well, first of all, I want us to understand a couple things very quickly. Number one, believers can be in bondage. Now, I didn't say possessed by Satan, but believers can be in bondage. Believers can be saved and be growing, but have one area of their life or have an area of their life that they've just closed off and it controls them. It, it, it's, it's a sin or an attitude. It might be unforgiveness. It might be a, a lack of hope. If you find yourself as a believer and you wake up one day and you just have no hope, you have no joy, there are different seasons that we will experience in our Christian walk. But the reality is when you start seeing that there's just no joy in my life, there's no hope in my life, I, I can go to church and I feel nothing, a lot of it will boil down to you're not dealing with something. A lot of it will boil down to there's something that has you in bondage. And we just, we just have to understand, Christians, believers, can be in bondage at times. There can be things that I'm incredibly, that I've taken care of, and that don't even tempt me or bother me anymore. But, but listen, only to my wife and my grace group. Well, I tell some of those other things. Because, see, they're there. See, what, what is this? The enemy, the enemy wants to make you believe that you don't have any problems. The enemy would love for you to, to never understand that, that you can be deceived to thinking that, well, it's, it's just a little struggle that I have. It's not really bondage. I just have a weakness in that area. Hello? <laughs> it, it's not really... It's not really a bondage. You know, Paul even had a thorn in the flesh. You know, we don't, we don't really know what that, the Bible never tells us clearly what that thorn is. So this is all very up to uh, most any teacher's opinion. But I don't believe he was talking about sin. I don't believe, I don't believe the apostle Paul was saying, you know, God, I've got this one sin that I'm dealing with. Please take it away. No, I want you to keep sinning, Paul. My grace is sufficient. No. 
Uh, we, we can't use that. It's not, well, you know, the, we, we don't sin. Paul even tells us we don't sin to prove that there's grace. We don't continue to live in that sin to prove there's grace. It's, it's, being, it's being willing to understand that even as a believer, there can be areas in my life, if I'm not careful, I've given the devil a foothold, and he's turned it into his place. I've given him some permission, and he's turned it into his house. And listen, there, it may be ongoing sin, it may be our past, it may be struggles, it may be habits, it might be a mindset. And even when I say a mindset, listen, there's more religious bondage out there. No, no, you, you, can't, you can't do church unless you do it this way. This is not my church, but through this whole pandemic scenario, <clears throat> um, if you'll notice that we, on Sunday mornings, and this is not something we have decided on, and this is where we're going to live. This is our new theology. Two songs. Two songs and announcements. That's it. You know, no. There's a, there's a big reason we went to two songs. Because there's a part of me that's like, you know what? Number one, coming out of, out of this isolation, what I don't want people to do is think that somehow three songs... Happy song, happy song, sad song, announcements and a message was the new normal they're trying to get back to. Because God's never really given us an order of service that says, you have to have three songs. And then somebody's got to speak in tongues. And you've not really had church unless somebody's run the aisles. Now, once somebody runs the aisles, you can dismiss. And see, some of you thought, start running. Somebody will run, we're out of here. No, here's the thing. We get caught in our little cells of bondage by even thinking, well, if if it doesn't happen this way, it's not really God. If it doesn't happen this way, God's not really moved. If it doesn't happen, you know, here's when I know God's moved, when lives are changed. Not even when lives are happy. You can make people happy by doing everything their way. But if there's no change, they're just going to hell their way. So here's, here's, here's the thing about believers. We need to understand we can be in bondage. Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 7. Behold, you trust. You trust in lying words that cannot profit. You steal. You murder. Commit adultery. Swear falsely. Burn incense to Baal or worship Baal. Walk after other gods whom you do not know. And then come and stand before me in this house. In other words, and then you come to church <laughs> that is called by my name and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, I have seen it, says the Lord. And then Paul tells us, what then? Shall we, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, listen, to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Now, I, I want to be sensitive here because I also know that in the, in the cultural climate that we live, the word slave can be very negative. And if used in the wrong setting, it is very negative. But I need you to understand something from a biblical perspective. You either have 
one of two masters in this life. Sin or Jesus. You're, you're going to be a slave. Sometimes we want to say, well, I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's see how this week goes. Let's see how this week goes. Because starting Monday, I may serve another. Right? Now, we don't say that because it wouldn't, it wouldn't look good on our resumes. But we live it every day. Jeremiah is telling us that the children of God at that time, they were going out doing all these other things, but then coming together to worship. Like, if we, if we offer sacrifices unto God, we're good. And God is saying, listen, I did not send my son to you to die on the cross, to pay for your sins, to set you free, so you can go out and freely do whatever you want to do, and then run in here and get it covered by grace. See, we don't earn our righteousness. We don't, we don't deserve it. But it's, it's the proverbial, when you get saved, you'll start following him like you are saved. When, when you start to follow Jesus Christ, believe me, your actions will change. Your attitudes will change. Your, your, your conversations will change. I'm telling you. And it's not just because somebody's walking around, mm, we'll say that word again. That's not a good word. That's a dirty word in the Bible. No, it's not that. Someone may check you on some things, but it's not that now the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder all day long, you're screwing up bad. You haven't got this right one time yet. No, that's just the kind of friends you don't want to hang around with. The Holy Spirit lovingly, that's why we have to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lovingly just says, hey, John, that, the word that you read this morning, here's what it was talking about. The word you guys have been talking about in your grace group, here's what that's talking about. And here's why when, when you live that way, it doesn't fit that way. And he just starts to love you in that direction. Second point, very quickly. I've got six minutes. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> You'll be a slave to someone, but secondly, we have to admit that we're in bondage. See, it's one thing to say that, that believers can be in bondage, but it's another animal for us to admit that we're in bondage. For us to admit, I, I have a problem. For us to admit, there's this issue in my life. And, and I'm not talking about everybody coming up before the church every Sunday and laying out all their laundry. That's not what I'm talking about. That's why some people are afraid to go to a grace group because they don't want to sit there and everybody gets to know their business and then they get judged every time they walk in the room. Can I say something, two, two very quick things about being in a grace group and being accountable? The reason it gets touchy is if you're in a bad grace group that can't keep their mouth shut. And I love talking to them. Because believe me, that needs to be held accountable if that ever happens. Or, secondly, we don't like being in there because we really don't plan on changing. We, we lay something on the table. I wrestle with this, but please don't expect me to change. You know, I, I've got, this isn't a problem. It's a little bit of a struggle. 
but I've got control. It's controlling you. We just don't like to admit it, do we? Come on. You don't like to admit things, do you? Admit it. Right? And we, we struggle with, and, and I know for some of us, we've just chalked it off to, well, I, that's, that's why I really believe in God's grace. But, but it's one thing to, to sin and ask God to free. It's when you do something every day or when sin becomes a, a constant part of your life in that area. It's got a hold of you. And, and it might be an addiction in your, in your physical life. See, sometimes the reason it's easier for us to confess a need is when it's outward. If the reason I wore a long shirt today is not because I forgot it was August. I happened to have poison ivy. And I wanted to hide it. I didn't want you to see the poison ivy because as far as I can tell, I don't even want to be near it and I have to have it. Now, I'm, I'm saying this because if, if I didn't have sleeves on, I would have to confess, I've got a problem. I need help. I've got, I've got an addiction. I need help. I've got issues that I'm wrestling with, and, and I've, I've, I've lost my family. I've lost my job. I've lost my license. I need help. Those are the easy ones and necessary. It's the, in, it's the inward bondage. Nobody can see that you're wrestling with this, so you don't have to confess it. Nobody sees that you're wrestling with this, so you don't think it's that big of a deal to get into a group and, and start wrestling through those issues. And you say, well, Pastor John, why are you making a big deal out of this? Because to be honest with you, uh, it's a personal thing. I'm wrestling with it. Listen, if you find yourself wrestling with it every day, you're not winning. You've not let him set you free. You're trying to just survive. You've not allowed him to allow you to experience victory. And, and can I tell you, I don't want us to go back to that slide, but the, the slide with all those different aspects of transformation, here, here's what happens. We get to the discipleship part, but we've never been set free. We want to be empowered, but not set free. We want to be equipped, but not set free. And then we wonder why pe people will come up to us and say, hey, listen, you know, I really see this area in your life. No, you don't. That's not there. It's a private area. By the way, can I sing in the praise team? Don't be surprised if somebody says no. Uh, but I, I feel like leaving this area of ministry. Well, how's that area in your life? That's none of your business. Well, that's not your ministry either. Go, go somewhere else where they don't care. I'm very serious. I'm not telling you to go somewhere else. I'm just saying that can't be allowed. If you're, and, and please understand, I'm not, I'm not saying this out of arrogance. It's painful. But it's the Word of God. If you're carrying stuff in your life, please don't expect to lead others when you've not surrendered. Because that's really what we're talking about, surrender. Admit not that you have a weakness, that you have a need. You need to be rescued. That would be just like being drowning in a pool and, and the lifeguard saying, I, I want to rescue you. No, I'm doing this on my own. What, what you're saying is you're drowning on your own. You, you want to drown all by yourself rather than saying, I surrender and be saved.
This was a long time ago, so you're free to laugh. I, I was trained to be a lifeguard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, freedom reigns in this... I'm just kidding. Here's, here's what happens. Here's the first thing you learn as a lifeguard. You can't save anybody. You can't save anybody who's fighting to save themselves. You can't. That's why one of the first things you do when you start training to be a lifeguard, they just throw you out in the water and say, float. Why are we doing this? I want to work on... I, I thought you had to grab somebody and pull them to the shore. Nope, you just keep floating. Okay, well, how long? Ten minutes. I can't float ten minutes. Well, you, you've got to be able to float, so just keep floating until we tell you to stop. Why? Because sometimes... You just have to stay there till that person gets so tired that you can just swim up behind them and take them and they don't fight you. Can I just encourage some of you today who are still fighting? The Holy Spirit is just waiting. He's hovering. He's just waiting for you to say, I, I admit it. I have a problem. So he can embrace you. Because the third, the third simple point is this. We have to admit we're in bondage, but then be set free from the bondage. And, and it may be that your question is, well, Pastor, that's, that's a no-brainer. I want to be set free. See, here's, here's the beautiful part. Really, the hard part for us being set free has not been getting set free. It's admitting it. That's the hard part. For, for us, the hard part is not, man, I've got to be set free. The hard part is admitting I've got to be set free. But now here's the beautiful thing. He can set you free. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, it's, not, it's not a question of if he can set you free. He who sins of the devil is for uh, John, 1 John 3, 8, He who sins with the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For his purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus wants to destroy the works of the devil in your life. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. When the Holy Spirit is drawing you, surrender to it. You're going to be the slave of whoever you surrender to. You're going to be the slave of whoever you surrender to. It's not about just, well, I've decided to, to follow Jesus. If you just decide to follow Jesus and you're not following him, you just met him, but you don't know him. Several years ago, <clears throat> I was um, invited to a breakfast. And if, I'm sure most of you in the room know uh, governor, former Governor Rudy Giuliani. And several years ago, he was running for president, and they had a large luncheon, breakfast luncheon, and I attended it, and I paid the extra, whatever it was, to get a picture with him. So I stood in this long line, and then you walk up to him, and you shake his hand, and there's about... Eight bodyguards standing around beside, you know, making sure that's the only thing you touch. And, and you're just standing there and you're smiling with Rudy Giuliani. You get your picture. 
And then for the next couple of days, if you see some family or you see some friends, you're like, yeah, had breakfast with uh, Rudy Giuliani. You had breakfast with Rudy Giuliani? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean to say? You know how we do when we're name dropping, right? And they say, well, man, what's he like? I'm like, he's really cool. Seemed like a really nice guy. Well, tell me about him. Well, he's a little bit about my height. Well, no, I mean, but, but, you know, where does he live? I don't, I think New York, I'm not sure. Do you, do you know him? No. I, I met him, but I don't know him. Can I ask you a hard question? How many have met Jesus, but you don't know him? You, you've been to church, but you're not following I don't mean legalism. I don't mean man-made laws. I, I, don't, I don't mean the, the, the church's bylaws. You're only a Christian if. How, how many have met? You, you've even talked to a Savior. But your, your actions totally leave the conversation. Jesus even said it like this. I hear you praising me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as the praise team comes, I, I just ask right now, Father, that we would contemplate in our hearts right now, have we just met you, or do we know you? Lord, I sense in my spirit this morning that, that if I'll take the opportunity to move past a meeting and move into knowing and following, abiding in your word, abiding in your truth, following after you. Lord, it's not about becoming legalistic. It's about a relationship. I want to know you. Father, I believe that freedom takes place. The, the things that I wrestle with, and Lord, I know, I know that many of us, if not all of us in this room, there are things that Satan uses to grab our attention every day. It might be from a difficult past. It might be from mistakes. And we walk in shame. We walk in guilt. We walk in fear. We walk in doubt. And we try to wrestle through in our own strength. We try to wrestle through in our own abilities. But God, right now, like a drowning victim, we, we surrender. Holy Spirit, embrace us. Let us realize that just a knowledge of you means nothing. Satan knows you. Satan understands you. We want to know you as Lord. So, Father, I pray that in these next few moments, even as we worship with this song, God, would you just please have your way. Holy Spirit, do a work in us. Holy Spirit, show us the areas that you've been trying to heal Show us the areas that, that we don't want to admit. Show us the areas that you would love to rescue us. In Jesus' name.